Welcome to Working for Women, the independent women's forum podcast, where we are changing the conversation about women and public policy for the better. Hello, I'm Hadley Heath Manning, Senior Policy Analyst at the Independent Women's Forum and your host for today's Working for Women podcast. Today, I'm here with IWF's Executive Director, Sabrina Schaefer, and we're going to be discussing a new report from the Independent Women's Forum called Working for Women. This report is available online at workingforwomenreport.com. Sabrina, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for, for talking with me about this, Hadley. Sure. First, why don't you just give our listeners a brief overview of this new report and maybe explain why IWF decided to produce this report and what all went into the creation of it? Absolutely. Well, for so long, you know, progressive women on the left have talked about issues related to women in the workplace. Um, and often their solutions are sort of top-down government reforms, um, universal programs that we feel won't help women. And we thought that it was time to put out an alternative economic agenda um, for how we can really give women and their families more opportunity without growing government. And I think we did just that with Working for Women. That's great. Uh, it's, it sort of falls into the category, in my mind, of issues that we often hear left-leading politicians talking about. We don't hear as much from the right. And I noticed this report, you know, it was very intentional. IWF released it on a day that many people on the left talk about, and that was Equal Pay Day in mid-April, um, because, of course, many left-leaning feminists say this holiday represents how far into the current year women have had to work in order to catch up to what men earned in the prior year. So we released the report on Equal Pay Day, a day that's based essentially on the wage gap statistic, which comes from the Department of Labor and shows now that women earn about 79 cents on the dollar compared to men. I'm sure many of our listeners are familiar with that number or that wage gap idea. Can you explain to our listeners what this disparity in wages actually represents and also how IWF addresses this issue in the Working for Women report? Sure. So first of all, you're right that we released this on Equal Pay Day in part because um, there's such a negative message that comes out on that day. This idea that society and the workplace are openly hostile toward women, um, that the sort of deck is you know, stacked against women, um, and that you know, more often than not, women don't have opportunities. And we really see um, the world in a much different light. Uh, we think that there's tremendous opportunity for women, but we also understand that there are women who face challenges. Um, it is not an anomaly that women work outside of the home these days. Um, and there are real challenges that come with balancing um, a career or a job and, and home. And we also know that most women who are working full-time aren't there simply because they enjoy working. It's because the cost of living is very high for many people. Their budgets are stretched thin, um, and we need to be able to provide some alternatives to help them um, sort of balance what can be a difficult time in people's lives. So um, that was that. you're absolutely right. That's why we released this on Equal Pay Day. And then the other part of your question about the wage gap is so important because we hear this number, this idea that women are only paid 77 cents or 78 cents for every dollar a man is paid. And we hear it so often, I sometimes joke that they should just say it with the weather in the morning, right? It's, just, <laughs> it's sort of repeated so much that people have just sort of absorbed this idea and take it as truth. But the reality is um, the Department of Labor is comparing full-time working women to full-time working men 
Um, and they don't control for any of the many variables that go into determining someone's salary or wage. So the industry that they may be in, the kind of hardships that may accompany that work, um, uh, you know, how many hours are spent in the workplace each day, if there was time taken out of the workplace for some time. Um, all of these things determine someone's salary. And when you control for those factors, and IWF is not the only group who has done this, uh, we find that the wage gap shrinks to about four to six cents. So there is a small wage gap that persists, and we can talk about why that may be, um, but it's not the overwhelming um, sort of number that, that the pro- uh, progressives often present it as. You know, it's interesting as I listen to you describe sort of the position of women in the workplace today. I heard you talking about the different uh, financial situations that many families find themselves in, how some women do this, some women do that. And it's really refreshing to to hear someone talk about women in the workplace, not as some, you know, average woman or quote unquote cookie cutter woman, that there's actually a lot of diverse scenarios that women find themselves in. That's a, it's a good argument for why one size fits all solutions aren't the right way to go, but instead to sort of maximize the freedom and prosperity that women have in the workplace and in other parts of our lives. So uh, I know at IWF, our motto is that all issues are women's issues. Um, And there are certainly some policy issues that affect women and men in different ways, generally speaking. And I would I would say that one of those is access to paid family leave. And this is another one of those issues that unfortunately too often we hear a one-size-fits-all solution um, proposed generally from politicians on the left side of the aisle um, because they support a, a government mandate that all companies provide paid family leave. And, you know, more often than men, women want to take time off when they welcome a new baby into the family. Um, this can disrupt their jobs or their earnings. And it sounds like it would be nice if everyone could have paid family leave on the job. But IWF doesn't support this kind of government mandate. Can you explain why not? And can you also talk about what IWF is recommending instead? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, you hit the nail on the head with what the fact that women want and need very different things in the workplace. And we have done some pretty extensive research into this. And it's fascinating is that um, there's some of the, you know, this doesn't seem terribly surprising, although we seem to forget about it when we're talking about public policy. So we know, for instance, that non-mothers are salary maximizers, while mothers are flexibility maximizers. Well, that's very important. That means that people are willing to make very different trade-offs um, in the kind of wage benefit packages that they're looking for. We know that women who identify as progressive are more interested in things like family and medical leave, while women who identify as conservative um, are looking at sort of um, the culture of an organization, things like employee tenure, how long people stay at a company, so that stability factor. Um, So I think it's very interesting when we realize that all women aren't looking for the same thing in their work environment. They all have different needs. Some are you know, have families to consider, some do not. And we want to make sure that we allow women to maximize um, their work environment and make it pay for them, right? Make it valuable to them so that if you're a young woman who's just trying to bring in as much money as possible, pay off college loans, things of that nature, um, that we allow you to create that work environment. So on the paid leave front, you're absolutely right, Hadley. Um, IWF comes to this at this from a couple of different perspectives. As you know, um, I have three little children. I know that 
you're about to have a baby. Um, Carrie Lucas, who, who was the lead writer on this, has five children. So we come at this as from mothers, as from the perspective of mothers, certainly. But we also come at this from the perspective of managers. Um, we have 10 full-time staff members at IWF, and they are all women. And I am <laughs> well aware of sort of what happens when somebody has a child and needs to take time off. Um, and so when we think about this, I think one thing is when we're thinking about the fact that women have different needs and wants in the workplace, that idea of a one-size-fits-all plan, like the Family Act or the Healthy Families Act, um, doesn't really sort of work. <laughs> it's not going to give people what they want. So we came at this in a different way, but a little bit more piecemeal. We offer a couple of solutions. The first is what we call personal care account, personal care accounts which would allow individuals to save for time off because it's not simply when you have a baby. It may be to care for an aging parent. It may be for some other reason. Um, and that would be a, an account that employers could also match. Um, it would also allow us to open up sort of uh, nonprofits where generous individuals or corporations could contribute for lower-income workers so that they could also have access um, to, to money of their own so that they sort of own and control that, that money. Because a lot of people who fall through the cracks are those who are um, not in traditional work arrangements. Um, and then we also recommend a tax credit for small businesses. This would allow them, first of all, to be able to compete for, for better talent because it's very hard to compete against the generous benefit packages of a larger company, um, and it would also allow them to afford to provide paid leave um, for their workers. So those are a couple of the solutions that we recommend um, to take care of um, what, again, is not quite as large a problem as is often made out to be, but we recognize there is still a challenge. Our workforce at IWF is uh, all female, and a lot of us are in our childbearing years, and that sort of goes to illustrate that not only is every family different, but every employer may be different and have unique needs and uh, a unique situation facing the business or facing, in our case, a nonprofit when it comes to what we can offer. So I love that the personal care account really gives maximum flexibility uh, to employers as well as to women. And, it, it, and from what I understand, nonprofit organizations could even participate as contributors to these kind of accounts. So let's say you are a low-wage, low-skill woman and your employer's not in a position to give you maternity leave for the position that you're currently in, you could start this kind of account and then a, a very pro-family type organization could make contributions on your behalf because this may be an issue right. that they care about very much. So that I really, I really like the flexibility behind that idea. I know there are many, and many other ideas in the, in the Working for Women report um, from how to address the issue of a very expensive childcare costs, the burden that they weigh on working families today. There's also some proposals generally about expanding economic opportunity and workplace flexibility for women. And I know there's uh, several ideas about reforming retirement programs, even giving women uh, opportunities to catch up on their retirement savings when they do come back from a long exactly. period outside of the workforce. So we have so much in this 56-page report. I really hope that our listeners check it out at workingforwomenreport.com. I wanted to ask you one final question today, Sabrina, and that is about sort of the politics surrounding many of these issues. Um, because I'll, I'll tell you what I think, and then I want to get your reaction. I often hear about these issues so much from politicians on the left side of the aisle, typically people who are Democrats, typically people um, who are very interested in this um, message on equal payday that women, unfortunately, they 
portray us as victims in the workplace and in society as a whole. Um, but then, unfortunately, on the right, I don't hear a lot of messages to counter that. Or, if anything, the knee-jerk reaction from a lot of conservatives is, oh, well, those things aren't really a problem. You know, they're so overblown. It's not not really an issue. Women don't really face sexism. Women don't really face these sort of work-life balance concerns. Um, But I think what we can hear in this Working for Women report is sort of a balanced perspective on the issues um, and a lot of proposals on how to address them. So what can we do, Sabrina, to, to really get a more balanced discussion broadly in the public sphere and the halls of Congress? What can we do to get policymakers talking about some of the ideas that IWF is proposing in this report and really painting a more fair picture of where women in the United States are today? Well, Hadley, you put, you know, your sort of finger on it for, I don't think that people on the right don't care about women and their families, but you are correct that on the left, they have recognized for many years now that women, especially unmarried women, are a critical voting bloc, and that it's very easy to appeal to women by offering sort of the moon in terms of um, policies, right? So we're going to fix all of these problems. Some of them are not quite as big of problems, perhaps, or not quite as, um, you know, horrifying as they often present them as, but that we are going to fix all of this and we are going to um, make life better for you um, with the help of government. And at the same time, um, I think a lot of people on the right have said, well, there's no differences between men and women. Sexism is gone. You know, women have all these opportunities. Therefore, we should just ignore these issues. But the reality is, as you acknowledge, um, there are real challenges. There are some bad actors out there, bad employers. There's, um, that's why we recommend strengthening the Equal Pay Act in some small ways to make sure that women truly are protected under the law. We recommend... Um, reforms for paid leave, and as you acknowledge, flexibility options, um, how to make sure that women who take time out of the workforce don't, you know, aren't penalized uh, later in life so that we give them more opportunities to save. I mean, I think we really need to to sort of come together on the right and recognize that there are policies that can help women and their families um, achieve their dreams, whatever they may be, um, by, by growing the economy, by creating more jobs, by creating more flexibility, and generally creating more opportunity for both men and women because um, we need each other to, to move forward. So I'm very excited about this report. I think that we really do um, have a very optimistic but realistic view about things that we can do, and I hope that, that women and men will take a ch- the time to, to look at it and give us their thoughts. That sounds great, Sabrina. This has been a really interesting discussion. Uh, I want to remind listeners again that this report from IWF is available online. You can visit our website, iwf.org, or you can find the report at workingforwomenreport.com. This has been another edition of IWF's Working for Women podcast. I want to thank IWF's Executive Director, Sabrina Schaefer, for joining us and being our guest today. And I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please give it a thumbs up, share it on social media, or stop by iwf.org for similar content.